Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of the Sunrise on the Inside podcast, a space where we share inspiring interviews and stories from thoughtful leaders in business, health and wellness, entrepreneurship and sports. Here we talk about tools, habits, routines and tactics they use that help them feel calm, revived and rebalanced whenever they face challenges in life. I'm your host, Nico Estrella, a serial entrepreneur, former professional soccer player and co-founder of WACU. My guest today is Kim Shapira. She is a celebrity dietitian and nutrition therapist. She has spent the last 24 years helping people lose weight and keep it off, with a giant emphasis on keeping it off. She has developed six rules over the years to help people's journey into a normal relationship with food. They are easy, not complicated, and based in science. This is called the Kim Shapira Method, and we'll be talking about those rules in today's episode. I'm super excited to have Kim today here. Um, I know that when she's not helping clients take over the world, she is the wife and mama of three kiddos and three, four kiddos. Uh, and uh, she now has a practice in Los Angeles with clients like Kaylee Cuoco, Brittany Snow, and Jenny Hutt. She's a guest expert for Dr. Drew, Glamour Magazine, General Meals, and more. Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's so much fun to be here. I am super excited to have you here. Uh, I, I really enjoy my conversations with registered dietitians. Uh, I know that you know a lot, so I have a lot of questions for today. I'm going to make my, my best to go through all these questions. Um, so... My first question that I want to start with, I was checking your your website a little bit, and I know that um, you you mentioned that the Kim Shapira method goes on the basics of nutrition. So I wanted to ask you, uh, what are the basics of nutrition for, for us that we're starting to learn a little bit more about this? Yeah. Uh, well, that's kind of a loaded question because you're jumping right into the six rules that I have, but there's no like backstory. Um, and it's, and that's, it's an interesting take on it actually, because if people even try to jump into any sort of new way of living and they have no backstory, they might flounder a little. So, um, that's interesting. So I think I should give you a little backstory to give you the foundation of why I have these six rules. That's, That's perfect. Okay. I think, yeah, I think we can, I, I think that would be, be better. I think let's start with <laughs> giving us some background on, on, on everything. Yeah. So like you said, I've been in practice for a very long time. And the way that what I've learned through this practice and my own journey is that in the first seven years of a person's life, they develop these emotional triggers. And also when they go through something emotional in life, they develop a new trigger. So 9-11 is an example. COVID is an example. And for me, I got sick when I was 12. And so that became a new trigger for me. So we have between three and five from the first seven years of our life. And then again, we develop new ones when we go through something traumatizing. So then we work on spending the rest of our lives mastering these triggers. And sometimes we get new ones because we can't predict or prevent trauma, you know, to the best of our ability. And so, these traumas can be anything at any age or are they more common whenever we are kids? We develop like ones that really make us who we are when we're in the first seven years of our life. 
So there's potential to have 18. I don't have the list in front of me, but um, an example would be, um, you know, my dad, very loving human, but always had high expectations of us. And so, you know, um, the way that I looked became an important trigger, thinking that the world cared about the way that I looked when in reality, nobody really cares what I look like. It's only should matter what I, you know, how I feel about it. Um, but it plays out in different ways. So, you know, I could be triggered by anything if anyone says makes a comment about my clothes or my hair or because my dad had high expectations of how we put ourselves together. But he was a very loving man. So that's like an example. Got it. So, so not necessarily it's like very traumatic events because I know that a lot of people can go through very traumatic yes. things when they were kids. So maybe your parents abandoned you or yeah. uh, you were abused as a kid. So exactly. those are very traumatic experiences, but also can be these other traumatic yes. events uh, that are can be maybe more subtle, yeah. uh, not, not as like uh, intense, exactly. but still they form our maybe personalities and they do. Everything. Yeah. So let's, let's consider it like a spectrum, right? So there are parents who are just like not around. And so a kid could be abandoned or there could be parents who just literally abandon a child. There can be trust issues. There can be, you know, parents who don't show emotion. There can be parents who show too much emotion, right? So no parent is going into this saying, I want to create these triggers. We can have them develop. We do have them develop even in the most loving situation or loud situations. For instance, I have three children and one of them is a little, she takes a little bit longer and a little bit more, I have to push her a little bit more and I feel like that's going to really scar her. And I didn't set out to do that, but I was always like, come on, come on, come on, we got to go. And very, you know, you don't mean to do it, but in the meantime, it creates some sort of anxiety or trigger. And what's interesting about these triggers is that when we are triggered or when somebody hits our emotional button, we kind of freeze. 1,400 different sensations actually occur in our body. It takes all of the blood from our digestive area carrying, carrying neurotransmitters and digestive enzymes, and it basically flies to our extremities so we can run from the lion that has come into the room. Although these hot buttons aren't lions anymore, we're responding that way. And then if people can't recover from this emotional moment, they're left with digestive issues because they don't have the proper digestive enzymes and neurotransmitters and blood to take care of what needs to be done because digestion's not important if you're fleeing for your life. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so anyway, <laughs> I developed this emotional or this health trigger when I was 12. All I cared about was being healthy if that makes sense. And I knew food could make people healthy. And so I picked a career to make people healthy. Mm -hmm. And I went to graduate school, <clears throat> excuse me. And then I started putting people on diets because I was taught that if you eat a certain way, you wouldn't have high cholesterol, you wouldn't have high blood pressure, your blood sugars would be normal, you'd be at low risk for heart disease, for strokes, for all sorts of disease-related food and disease-related issues. So my first client lost 30 pounds on, the, on my diet. I was like so proud of myself. And then she said she wanted to gain the weight back because her husband um, was getting too touchy-feely with her and she had been sexually abused as a child. 
Oh, and wow. I had not been prepared for that because I had just been taught how to eat to make a body healthy. Yeah. And so what had happened when I was 12 is that I used to go to UCLA, which is a hospital in California, um, pretty much every Wednesday for about four years. And my mom would say to me, don't cry. We're going to go shopping after the appointment. And I created this fierce like coping mechanism where shopping was my outlet. And so as I started recognizing that my clients weren't really caring that kale was healthy, I started seeing some of their patterns similar to my shopping patterns. That were just coping mechanisms to yes. the that they experienced. Yes. Yeah. And so as I started healing myself, I started applying that to food and getting very far away from diets if I could. Got it. So in this case, in this case if I got it correctly, um, a better way to help us create a better relationship with food, it's not only through diets and only learning yeah. like the technicality of like, I don't, know, I don't know how many calories are we right. eating yeah. or what type of food we're taking. We, we should go to the root yes. of, of maybe like why is the relationship with food the way it is right now? Yeah. Maybe it's a coping mechanism for some trauma that I experienced in the past. Exactly. And like, um, otherwise everybody would be eating kale. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, yeah. Like in, in, in your mind, it makes sense. Like logically yeah. it makes sense to eat healthier, but. Yeah. I mean, the diet work. industry and the diet world focuses on losing weight. Doctors tell, you know, their unhealthy patients, just lose weight and you'll be fine. But nobody's really talking to them about how to keep that weight off. And when life gets messy because we're humans and we have emotional ups and downs, nobody's talking about how to keep the weight off. Yeah. And that so is. it's, I can stop shopping and I don't need to shop, but then I might binge if I just like restrict myself. There's, it's very interesting You know, I just went through something very traumatizing personally with my mom, and thankfully she's okay now, but it never once occurred to me that I should go buy a sweater, that I need a purse, that I should buy something to be okay in this moment. So, you know, again, I've been in practice for so many years, and I've been practicing this for so many years that it never even dawns on me now that I need something to help me in this moment, because now I know I have everything I need to survive this moment. Right? Yeah, that so, makes a lot of sense. And it's the same with food. People do walk-bys. It's actually the same with alcohol, drugs, cutting, sex, and um, food, and shopping. Got it. Now I understand. <laughs> so that is all the background on like why you came up with the with, with the Kim Shapira method, right? Yeah. Like with these six six guides. Yeah. Um, Got it. Now, now, now that make it's gonna make more sense. I think yeah. now that we're gonna talk about it. Yeah. Um, thank you for that. Thank you for for giving us all that background. And so now, um, these are these are the basics of nutrition that you were that you were talking about. Yeah. So it's a place to start, right? So people are in different places. You might be a little further along with your the way that you know your body and how foods affect your body. A lot of people, their mind isn't in their body when they're eating, so they're not really aware of how a food is making them feel. So 
again, all six of these rules, and I'll go through them with you, are for you to put your mind in your body, to be very present in this moment, also to be empowered that you're in control in this moment, and to keep whatever weight you lose off, or also you can say to get to your most normal weight. And your most normal weight is probably the weight where your blood sugar, your blood pressure, your triglycerides, and your cholesterol are all within normal ranges. Got it. Yeah. Got it. That, that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, the first rule is to eat when you're hungry. And it's interesting. Maybe to you it sounds like, okay, that's really easy. And all six of these rules do sound easy. But then people don't actually know what hunger feels like. And it's actually interesting. I When I was doing my internship in Boston, I worked in an obesity clinic. And I remember taking the the train to the clinic and they were doing shakes for for their meals. And this was 1997. And so I'm like, oh, if they're doing shakes, I want to try that too. So I had a shake, got on the tee, went to work. And 30 minutes later, I thought I was going to die of starvation. And so I had to eat. And when I showed up at work, I started talking to all of these people who were 700, 800 pound people. And I said to them, I'm dying of starvation. How are you being like, okay, on a shake? And they looked at me like, what's hunger? What, what does hunger have to do with eating? Yeah. So hunger is a sensation that occurs in your stomach. It's basically the same as when you have an alert that you have to pee. It's basically a sensation in your bladder telling your brain it's time to pee. And you don't jump up and run to the bathroom. You stop and think, do I have to go right now? Where is the closest toilet? Can I finish watching this TV show? And when our stomach lining gets empty, we get a hormone called ghrelin, sending a signal to our brain saying it's time to eat. And most people think, great, this is a great idea. They don't stop to think like, why do I have that thought? Am I hungry? How hungry am I? Do I need an apple? Do I need a burger? Why am I having that thought? Yeah, because normally, yeah, whenever we get that sensation, normally we eat right away. Uh, yeah. And it's like not time for lunch or time for dinner. I guess we just go and yeah. eat something or eat. Uh, yeah. I call those walk-bys. Yeah, exactly. So like the goal is truly to like have the thought to eat and then put space between the thought to eat and the action to eat, right? And so to do that because ultimately I want you to be at your normal weight. So first you have the thought to eat. Then you actually make sure that you're hungry when you eat. And the second part of this rule is to take your normal portion and to cut it in half. So there is a fail-safe right there that if you cut it in half and you put the other half on hold, you may not need the other half. There's a whole lot of emotions that go into fear of missing out or thinking you're spending money and wasting it, whatever. Our bodies are not trash cans. So come back to the rule, eat when you're hungry, start with your normal portion and wait 15 minutes. So scientifically, we know that from the minute food hits your mouth till it hits your stomach, it's 15 minutes. And once you, there's been multiple studies that show if you're really hungry and you eat a piece of bread and you wait 15 minutes, you're no longer hungry, which means we've all been overeating because we eat all of our food in less than 15 minutes and then we walk away full. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And the goal is, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The goal is to manage your blood sugars because blood sugars is the link to longevity and reducing all your risks of disease. So 
We want to be hungry and we want to be hungry every two and a half to three hours. If you eat a meal and you're not hungry for four or five hours, that's not balancing your blood sugar and you've overeaten. Mm, got it. Got it. Now, now I understand. So let's say at this moment, I feel, I feel, start to feel hungry. Um, how much time should I wait since I have the thought of like, okay, I, I'm feeling hungry right now until I eat something? Oh, you, you should you, eat. You should absolutely eat when you're hungry. Sometimes okay, so. we can't, right? And it's interesting because we're, our brains are hardwired for survival and it wants to be in the most pleasurable moment. So if we're hungry, now we become fear-based, we're going to starve to death. And our history proves we have never starved. I have survived every time I've been hungry. Maybe it got uncomfortable, just like a full bladder, but I can survive this. It's not painful. It's just a sensation happening in my body. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. got it. So you want to be hungry. hungry you want to be hungry. You go and eat, but you eat half of your portion that you no normally would eat. You start uh, with half. Yeah. Like think, of, think about this. You and I are going out for lunch, let's say, and we both order salmon, mashed potatoes, and vegetables, okay? I don't know what you've eaten in the last couple hours. You don't know what I've eaten. I'm 5'2". You look much taller than I am. I don't know how much muscle mass you have. I don't know your activities, but the, the chef did not consider your size, my size, or what we look like when he made the portions. He made the portions the exact size because if my piece of salmon was smaller than yours, I would be completely offended. So now the same exact portions are put in front of us and it's our personal responsibility to kind of figure out how much I need in this moment and to trust, oh wait, I'm going to actually eat again in two and a half hours. And kind of to remember, I've had 21 meals this week. I've had 10,900 meals this year. I don't remember any of them. And I know that this is not the last time I'm going to have this. Yeah. And, and I, it, that also depends a lot. It, it, it can be very cultural too, right? Because like now that you were mentioning this and being in a restaurant, I know there's a lot of places in Ecuador where you go to have breakfast and they would like, it, it, the food is a bit like way cheaper compared to Boston uh, to Boston prices, but it's like very cheap to, to buy food in, in Ecuador. So um, for $3, it's like people will feel that they are getting value out of their dollars if their yeah. breakfast comes with like a lot of rice and like a, like a big piece of chicken. And like there are some these type of restaurants that you will go there and for $3, you just like, you will eat enough for the whole day. Oh my um, God. And, and yeah, it's like you have to be like, like you have to be aware on what how much actually you need to eat from all the portions that you will get served uh, because it would depend a lot like yeah it can vary from restaurant to restaurant from culture to culture but yeah you, you need to understand what's what what are the needs of your body you need to understand the needs of your body it's exactly right and so some people don't and like for instance for me it was shopping right and so i just bought everything And then I realized I don't need any of this. And so what happens when you start putting stuff on hold, like a purse or clothes or food, you walk away and then you realize, oh, that was just an impulse thing. I don't actually need that. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. right? right? And plus yeah. you're going to eat again in two and a half hours and it's not the last time I'm going to shop. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so then that's the first rule. That's the, the first the rule. What is the second rule? The second rule is um, eat what you love. Eat what you love. Yeah, and yeah, I see your wheels spinning. Tell me what you're thinking. Uh, if right now I would eat what I like. Oh, he I became love. fear-based. Is everybody listening? He became fear-based. Okay, go on. <laughs> I, I, I was actually going to say a burger. That's like what I love. Right? Like yeah. I love burgers. I love burgers and fries. Uh, so even that, like like if I want to eat eat that, I I should eat what I what I love. Yes. I, like I like I understand that I can't eat burgers every single day. Like burgers and fries, if I eat that every single day, that's gonna be good for my body. What's uh, gonna happen to your body? I think my cholesterol levels are gonna go up. Probably um, they are very salty foods, so probably that's gonna mess up with my blood pressure. Um, I know they are very. They have a lot of fats that are not the good kind of fats. Yeah. So that's probably gonna mess up with my with my health. Um, and normally, if I have a burger and fries, I really like to drink soda with that. So I, I know can, inter- I can introduce you to this really great probiotic, probiotic uh, tea. <laughs> that's. <laughs> That is why, that is why we need more products like this because yeah, like I need, I, I don't know, I need to pair it with something very sugary. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and it's funny that you mentioned it because like, yeah, it's kind of like fear-based because also a lot of the times uh, that I eat this type of foods and every time that I drink a glass of soda, I feel guilty because of mm. course I'm the founder of a healthy beverage company. I should not be <laughs> drinking soda. I should be drinking something healthier, but it's like, I don't know. It's just like I'm addicted to soda uh, and I've been trying to reduce the, how much soda I take. But when you, when you say that the second rule is eat what you love, yeah. um, how is that relationship? Like, let's say what, how, how should I frame that relationship? With yeah. Okay. So I, I didn't really fully give you the whole rule. I just wanted to see your reaction. <laughs> Um, because remember I said in the beginning, some people are further along with understanding how their bodies feel and some are not. So the majority of the people that I talk to and that are, you know, are dealing with weight issues or health issues have been struggling a very long time and they don't know how their body feels. They don't understand the connection between cholesterol and their diet and animal fat and cholesterol that they don't understand why their kidneys are being affected by the salt and blood pressure. But it's even more basic than that. They don't understand why a hamburger is making them tired or having them, you know, have diarrhea or rashes. They're not even connecting clearing their throat or heartburn to the way that they're eating. And so you're just a little further along or a lot further along than some people. But if we go back to the basics, people don't eat kale or even worse, they eat kale and then they eat what they love after the kale because that's what they really wanted to begin with. So if I'm giving them permission to eat, they've never had that permission before. And what happens is when they're restricted, they want something more. 
But when they have permission, then they're open-minded to recognize like maybe that food doesn't actually agree with me or maybe I don't love it. I just thought I loved it. Now there's room to grow. And remember, they only get to eat it when they're hungry and they only get to eat half to start. So I'm already helping them lose weight because even though something that might be making them sick or gaining weight or more than they, they've already cut it in half. Yeah. Right. So much good is already happening, but people have guilt. They think they should eat something. They shouldn't eat something. They think something is healthy. Something is unhealthy. And all of these things are worse than the food, right? We're looking for calmness of mind, peace. Yeah. De-stress our body. Yeah. Our cortisol is affecting almost everything. And most importantly, our sleep and our weight. And so if one thought is stressing me out, why am I ha- why am I worrying about something? Worry is such a wasted emotion. So what has to happen is people have to get, like I say, their minds in their body, right? Because the second they're triggered, I'm gonna I'm about to eat something bad and I've got quotes around the word bad. Their mind leaves their body and now they're just not even focusing on how their body feels because it's uncomfortable. And they people again don't our brain's not hardwired to be uncomfortable. We will find the most pleasurable way to be in this moment. And it sometimes it's eating a hamburger and french fries, right? But what happens is like people think food is healthy or certain foods are healthy and then they're getting diarrhea and they're not understanding how that is happening. And so what's healthy for you is not healthy for me. And I need this to be an individual moment where you say, this works for me and it's okay that it doesn't work for you. Got it. So it's not necessarily that everybody needs to be eating kale. Maybe kale is going to make you bloated. Bloated, it also breaks down and can be, it crystallizes in your joints and can cause joint pain for people on blood pressure medication or people with arthritis. So yes, it should be an individualized, like you figure out you kind of situation. Like blueberries give me diarrhea. I know you didn't want to know that, but, you know, that's what happens. And people call them healthy all day long. Yeah, that is very true. That is very true. Yeah. So that's the second rule. That, uh, eat what you love. Eat what you then, love. What and, make the, sure, and make sure it loves you back. And make sure it loves you back. Very, very important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the third rule is to eat without distractions. Eat so. Without- Yeah. So like, I'm going to, I'll ask you a question. So, um, repeat after me just, just for this moment. Um, where is my body? Where is my body? It's right here. It's right here. Where is my mind? Where is my mind? Okay. So answer that. Where is your mind? Go look for it. My mind right now, it's in our conversation. Exactly. Yeah. So you were able to find it, right? Sometimes it's on a conversation from a couple days ago and then people are eating with their mind, not in their body. And so the goal is to make sure that when you're eating, because people call themselves foodies, they call themselves, they say they love food, but they don't like to be alone with it, which is interesting. That is very interesting. Yep. And the reward of eating is in the anticipation. I get to put that in my mouth. And I want to change the reward to what is actually in my mouth. Okay. What, so just, what, yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. 
So distractions come in the form of emotions, right? I'm bored. I'm tired. I'm excited. I am stressed. They come in the form of physical distractions, your phone, a TV show, a movie. And what pe- when people eat when they're in front of the TV, they're actually really just bored or it's a habit. So we eat because of emotional reasons. We eat for physical distractions and we eat because we're hungry. And so from this point forward, I just want it to be hungry. And you start with half. Hmm. So that, this is very interesting that you say because I normally like my lunch, every time that I get lunch, I kind of feel that I need to be doing something productive with that time or I feel that I need to be um, relaxing during that time. So normally I have like during the days that I've been like way more busy than normal. Um, I don't know. I've been, I've been having like a crazy morning. When I go for lunch, I take, I don't know, 30 minutes for lunch. But it's like those 30 minutes, I watch uh, the results of soccer from yesterday and or an episode of a part of an episode of a show that I've been watching. And, and I feel like, okay, I'm going to be eating, but not like just eating. I need to get distracted for a little bit and just like relax for a little bit. But yeah, as you say, it's like I do that more for kind of like entertainment or or I need to be learning something new or watching a new a new course for learning yeah. how to be better at my job. But I never sit down just to eat. I, I feel that I get bored and I am or I'm not using my time in the right way. Yeah. Uh, we got to work on your guilt. But the think about how long it takes to actually eat. How long does it take you to eat like half of your meal? No, probably like 10 minutes tops. If, maybe, maybe. Yeah, if, if, yeah, like yeah. I slow, yeah, yeah, but like, yeah, maybe five to 10 minutes, I would, right. I would say. Yeah. And, peop- and you probably say you love what you're eating. Yeah. But why can't you just eat? Yeah, I've never stopped to think about that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, in the old days, you know, we used to hunt and gather our food, so we would really be preparing our bodies for the food. Then we'd be preparing it, so we'd be having the smells and we'd be developing, you know, um, all the saliva that would tell our body it's time to start digesting. Our stomach would be ready. We'd have all this prep. Now we just kind of order and eat, right? Yeah. Or make and eat, you know, it depends on, you know, what's happening. But our body doesn't have a lot of prep time. And then we're rushing through the whole process. And, um, you know, we're supposed to chew each bite about 30 times because that's our first chance at breaking down. That's our, you know, the, the only way that the food gets broken down mechanically. And then we use um, a movement called, you know, peristalsis, which is kind of like a movement which pushes it down. But we really need to be chewing our food. And we're not. I mean, I always think of a gummy bear. You chew it one, two times. It never gets flattened. And like, how are you getting any nutrition out of that, right? So what if you took a little smaller bite and you actually savored and thought, where does this food come from? And, you know, how what's it doing to my body? And why did I choose this for lunch or dinner? And do I like the way this tastes? It only takes like three or four or five minutes to eat. Yeah. That's very true, and and like how how would you how you would you do this if 
um, you are at the, at the dinner with more people or you're having lunch with other people and you're yeah. just like having a conversation while you're, while you're eating. Yeah. Um, Slow down. And like the thing is, is like if you notice when you're, let's say you're using a fork for this meal, you're probably chewing and piling up food for the next bite. Because remember, the reward is in the anticipation. I get to put that in my mouth. And so if you're with somebody, obviously take a small bite, wipe your mouth, put your, I mean, put your fork down, wipe your mouth, drink water, sit back, enjoy what you just ate as, because it's nourishment, right? Like our body is the single most important thing in the entire world. Nourish it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Okay. And, and also make sure you're calm right? Make sure that you're taking a deep breath and, you know, relaxing your body so you know you have the ability to digest in that moment. Try not to eat if you're stressed. And when you do this, um, why does this help the body? Like, why does just, um, like, let's say I'm going to eat, I'm going to take a deep breath, I'm going to relax, uh, and I'm just going to eat. Um why is this helping the body? What, what does this do to, to help the body? The deep breath actually relaxes every organ. It's kind of like a massage for every organ. But most importantly, it makes sure that the blood is in your stomach to digest. And remember, that blood is carrying digestive enzymes and neurotransmitters and all the acid we need to break down viruses, bacteria, fungus, and the food. So if, you know, somebody's has, you know, they're finding that they're burping a little or they're bloated or they're getting full fast or they're getting nauseous, these are all signs that their pH balance is slightly off, right? And so they really need to be working on like relaxing their nervous system, which is the only system we can control in our whole body. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. So that will help your body digest better. Yeah. That you're taking. Yeah. At this point, like I think more people have so much stress that the lining of their gut needs so much help, so much help. You know, we, we keep hearing gut health, gut health, and there's so much digestive distress and stress in general definitely is altering that. So relaxing is the first thing we can do. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Got it. So this is the third rule. Yes. The fourth rule is 10,000 steps. So again, think of every single person in the world. Some people are very active, you know, and I, they la I laugh because I have a client last week. She's like, I did Peloton for 30 minutes, three times. I'm really active. And I'm like, okay, but there's 168 hours in the week. And you're saying for like an hour and a half, you moved, right? Yeah. Like. We need to move our bodies. And so the 10,000 steps a day, it sounds like a lot for some people. For some people, it's like really super easy, but you're not looking for perfection here. We're definitely looking to make you be progressive. So the average American walks less than 3,000 steps and they're obese. So if that person just starts walking 4,000 steps and then they start figuring out ways to get 4,500 steps... You know, they just need to be progressive. This is a journey. This is not something I want you to do short term. But what's more important is those steps, they balance your circadian rhythms. And circadian rhythms are your hormones, basically, when you wake up and when you go to sleep. They're your metabolism. 
And so if you can move your body and get 10,000 steps, you're helping your sleep, your hormones, your digestion, and you're helping maintain your weight loss. Got it. Yeah. Really important. Okay. The next rule. Yeah. Do you you have any questions about that one? Um, Is there any specific time of the day when it's better to put in more steps uh, or it can be at any point during the day? It can be at any point, which, but it's a very good question because let's say a person is very stressed and this person has an easy time going to sleep, but a really hard time staying asleep. This is a sign that they're running on adrenaline. And so if they're trying to work out aggressively or push themselves too far, they're actually making it worse for them with their sleep. And so in that case, a person who has trouble staying asleep, I would recommend that when they wake up in the morning, they are push themselves a little bit more. Because what that does is it tells their body, this is the time that I wake up. If that person is starting to do exercise or walk in the evening, they're telling their body, this is the time I wake up. Huh. Yeah. And then that's why you, you have a lot of troubles. Uh, yes. Yes. Eat. And yes. Yeah. Our body thrives on consistency. It thrives on going to the bathroom at the same time, eating at the same time, sleeping at the same time. Got it. Yeah, I I, recently I started to implement in my mornings uh, within the first 20 minutes that I wake up to go out for a 10 minute walk. It's literally just like a walk around the block Um, because I learned that um, it's very important as well to get sunlight early yeah. sunlight directly to your eyes not not through the windows you're but exactly maybe, right the whites of your eyes yeah uh, the whites of your eyes are the palms of your hands oh i didn't know about the palms of the hands yeah, yeah. so and, and like what what i learned was that um, this kick starts as well the circadian rhythm right it's just like it uh, gives a hit of of adrenaline yeah. and like healthy levels of cortisol that tells your body yes. okay it's time to be awake um, and uh, and it will help you sleep better at night as well because it's kind of like a clock, right? Like it starts right now and I think it's in 16 hours it's going to be like, okay, now it's time to, to go to bed. And it has helped a lot, specifically like I, I felt that I need less coffee to feel awake. That's amazing. Uh, and that's been amazing because I used to feel that I needed three or four cups of coffee Mm. some days. And then after the fourth coffee, I would be just like shaking and super anxious and couldn't focus. Um, And now this way feels like a very natural way for my body to wake up and be alert. And it actually helps me sleep better. So it's been, it's been a great practice that I, that I have uh, those steps in the morning. Perfect. Yeah. That's exactly what people should be doing. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Yeah. So this is the fourth rule. Yes. Now, which one is the, f- the fifth rule? The fifth rule is to drink eight cups of water a day. So um, water is our natural detoxifying weapon. It detoxifies every single one of our organs. We can say it cleanses everything. Um, we can't flush toxins without it. And we lose water in our bodies through saliva, through urine, and through feces and sweat. And so we need to replenish water every day. If we are dehydrated, 1% dehydration actually feels like the flu. 
So it's super important. I mean, if you think about it, we're surrounded by water and our bodies are made up almost entirely of water. So we need to replenish it um, with less soda and less coffee. So eight is really a good place to start. You really don't need much more than that. But if you don't drink it, what happens is your kidneys can't function at full capacity. And that leads to a whole slew of health issues. But it also makes your liver kind of take over the kidney's job. And then the liver can't do its job, which is to metabolize fats, cholesterols, and triglycerides and body fat. So we end up gaining weight just by not drinking water. So it's kind of like the secret sauce. Drinking water. And this has to be only water? Or what if I drink also tea? Or what if I also drink uh, juice? Um, does that count into the eight cups that I that I will be that I should drink, or it should be eight cups of water plus whatever other drinks you want to drink? It's eight cups of water plus whatever you want to drink. And so, one cup of something with caffeine dehydrates you. So, for one cup of coffee or tea, you need two cups of water. But let's say you're drinking herbal tea, there are still tannins in there, and the tannins are what causes a problem and oxalics for the kidneys. So it's really important to drink water. Like, again, our bodies are the most important thing in the world and they need water. So, and juice, I mean, yes, it can count, but then you're talking about other things and I just like to stick with water. I mean, I'm a dietitian. Got it. And what tips do you have for people that want to implement that habit of drinking more water during the day to make it easier to drink more water? I mean, I it's, it is complicated and people do find it hard because there is a slew of issues, right? Like maybe people have small bladders or weak bladders or they don't want to use public restrooms or they can't find a bathroom. Um, you know, there can be issues. So you got to plan accordingly. But remember, every time you're going to the bathroom, that's good for your body. But um, For me, what I do is I take a large mason jar that holds at least four cups of water and I try and drink it before lunch. And then I drink another one before I'm done for the day. Um, you want to drink all your water before six because you don't want it interfering with your sleep. But we'll get to sleep in a second. Um, I don't like drinking water through a cup. I need a straw. So I think you kind of need to, you really need to figure out if you like ice, have ice. If you like a straw, get a straw. You know, you figure out what you do and like, don't worry what anyone else is doing. If you need mint in your water, if you need to add the essence of some fruit, do that. But figure it out and make it happen. Some people get nauseous. I would, it could be just from dehydration that they're nauseous. It could be from some other things, but I would push yourself to drink the water. You'll feel better. And, and I like that, that idea of like having just a mason jar with you while you're yeah. working during like during the whole morning because when when I hear okay you need to drink eight cups of water I feel that I need to just like fill in like a mason jar and just like chug <laughs> it down and, and be done with it but I think that makes it sound a bit harder like I like more the idea of having like a mason jar with me the whole day while, while I work yeah. so I, like you can be drinking it before noon and the yeah. other one between before six yeah I mean, I would probably avoid plastic if you're traveling because some people leave their plastic in a car and the plasticides can sink into the water. Um, if you have a choice, you know, for a different type of, you know, pla uh, plastic free or, you know, something like that to travel with, 
Um, I would prefer that, but sometimes it can't be affected. I mean, you, you can't change the outcome, sorry. And um, it's okay. So we're going to try and get rid of guilt because everything in moderation. Your body knows how to handle this, but if you keep doing it, then it could be a problem. Got it. That makes sense. Okay, so that's the fifth rule. Yes. That's the fifth or the sixth rule? That's the fifth rule. And the last rule, which um, has ac actually became a rule in 2020 when I started noticing that all my clients were not sleeping because of their anxiety. So the sixth rule became seven hours of sleep. Some people function really well with six and a half. Some people with eight. Teenagers need more. But I would say seven is the magic number. And again, I mentioned that people have a problem falling asleep. Some people have a problem staying asleep. If either one of these are a problem, I would definitely talk to your doctor. Um, I would avoid over-the-counter medications, even though there's like two rows in each pharmacy over sleep aids. Um, I would try and figure out why your body's out of balance, kind of work on your nervous system and like what we talked about as far as exercising first thing in the morning. Um, eating every two and a half hours will help your blood sugar. That actually helps your adrenal glands and your cortisol levels. So following all these rules helps your body get balanced. I would work on that to help you sleep. Got it. So, And, and also when you're going to sleep, like also like put your sleep mind on, right? Like, like you're telling me like when you go to eat, you're like, now I'm going to put my eating mind on. I'm not going to like be distracted. Or when I'm driving, I'm not going to put my eating mind on. When I'm driving, I'm going to put my driving mind on. And when you go to sleep, work on putting your sleeping mind on where you just say, I'll worry about whatever tomorrow or I will focus tomorrow. This moment is for me to rest and to sleep. Got it. Yeah. And, and I know that there's a lot of other ways too that you can help support your sleep patterns, like um, trying not to see any screen after 10 p.m., for example. You know that the light, the blue light from the yeah. can mess up your, your trying to fall asleep and you can't. Um, so, so, yeah, I think and there's there lots of things, but I think the number one thing is to recognize if you're not sleeping, you're out of balance somewhere. And so if you were just to consider what your body needs and find that balance, that's going to that's gonna help you and maybe talk to a doctor about it, right? Don't – some. I mean, I hear all the time when a, a patient will go to a doctor and say, I don't feel good. And then the doctor will say, well, everything looks fine on your blood test. But then the patient doesn't feel good. Like you need to dig a little deeper and figure out why you don't feel good, why you're not sleeping. And then really like try and take care of yourself. I like that approach a lot because I, I know that there's a lot of like hacks. Let's call let's call it hack like like the one that I told you of, of not looking at the screen after 10 or walking in the morning or exercising early in the day. Um, but yeah, there like there have been some days that even if I follow all of those rules, I still can't sleep well and I still wake up uh, during the during the night so so yeah probably it's because all those things can help but maybe i'm not going to the root of why yeah. i'm not sleeping correctly I, I really like that yeah i mean like i would kind of some of the things that i would look at is how often do i practice gratitude i mean you definitely seem like somebody who does but like then you know can you quickly label 10 things you're grateful for you know are you out of practice for thinking about how lucky you are in this moment. And also, um, I mean, 
I, I, I think gratitude is, I think when people feel gratitude, they can't feel other things. And also I would be focusing on your nervous system, you know, launching a new business and drinking soda or drinking coffee and having stress, things like that. Like what can I do? Where am I? Am I breathing enough? Am I taking enough deep breaths? And even the deep breaths, like when you do it, make sure that your shoulders don't rise, but your stomach comes out. That's a deep breath. Got it. Yeah. Awesome, Kim. I know that we're running out of time here. I I have still like a list of a lot of questions that I that I want to ask you, but I think oh, we can no. do yeah, another episode in the future with you. I That's really it. I really, really liked having you, Kim. Kim, and thank you so much for sharing all these all these uh, methods that, that you have with us. And if people that's listening want to uh, learn more uh, from you, what's the best uh, way to reach you or what's the best way to connect with you? I think definitely, you know, my Instagram, I'm very active on it, which it's um, Kim Shapiro Method. And, um, you know, please DM me, just say hi and let me know how you're doing. Um, also my website, you know, you can submit a form to... Um, have an appointment with me or to join a group. Awesome, Kim. Thank you so much. I've Thank learned so a lot today. Thank you. Thank so you for, for being here. Bye-bye. Bye.